because if yeah. your belief system is once I achieve X, then I'll be happy. Once I get that next deal, once I make that next million, whatever it is, right? In Excel, it's what you call circular reference, Completely. right? But then the question is, if you know that's an error and you know that's not what you want to live into, then what do you replace it with? Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome back, my great viewers. Today, I have a pleasure to introduce to you Benjamin Ye. I've known Benjamin now for, I think we've been talking for the last few weeks off and on, and uh, it seems like telling Ben before that it seems like we're completely two different bodies. We think alike. Our life stories are almost alike. You have to draw parallels yourself. Uh, but it's very, very, it's like I'm talking to myself. So that's why I thought I'd bring him. Ben does an interesting work. He, he calls himself as a business alignment coach. That's just, I don't think that words do justice. And I'll let you decide what you want to call him as going forward. But really where the, where, where I thought Ben could bring a very good insight into your lives is really around the conflict that we most of us have actually, right? We are we're driven with external growth because that's the society we've been living in. That's the direction where the world's been pushing us in um, because that's what the world knows. But then there's an internal conflict. Most of us who have even a slight amount of material success, you don't have to be the billionaire. You already know that material success did not lead to happiness because something core, you were, the alignment internal core was not aligned with what our outside success you were facing. So that's really the conversation I want to have with Ben of what does that conflict look like? Because he has had that conflict. I've had that conflict. And, uh, and Ben's on the path and the mission to help people resolve that conflict, to bring the internal and the outside world in alignment. So I'm using Ben's word to give him the credit, but I don't think that's the right call. Well, we'll let you guys decide. With that, Ben... Welcome to the show, buddy. I'm super excited to have you here. Oh man, I'm I'm just feeling all the the vibrations. I am very grateful to be here, and shout out to Brooke that connected us. Oh. Very very thankful to be here, and uh, love to dive into seeing how I can serve your audience. Awesome, Ben. They're in for a treat. They just don't know yet. Then let's let's open up the show with the with a question that we always ask. When you heard uh, the term, there's somebody from my great wealth uh, show is reaching out to you. What was that reaction I had? What does that really mean? What it meant at that time? Yeah. So my first reaction when I heard that phrase, when I think of migration, I just think of birds, right? And why, why do birds migrate? They migrate because it's not necessarily because it's the change in weather. They're migrating because they're going to a different place with more resources. That's why they migrate. That's what inspires them to migrate. And so when I think of migrate to wealth, for me, it's moving to more resource abundant areas in your life to help you grow because it's it's almost you know triggering that survival instinct yeah you. the big question is how do you do it physically mentally spiritually which i think we're going to dive into today so we definitely <laughs> will dive into that today and thank you ben for saying that but i think that it's really around um, wealth means abundance of all it to be hopefully it's more than money hopefully and that's why we're dedicating this show to that it's way more than my money is very important. If you have given me that terminology, and I'd love to use because that it's really an energy. And what, what other kind of energies do you want to have? Money is just one, but it's still a very important form of energy, right? And every form of energy either makes you or breaks you. Energy in itself is not bad. 
electricity is not bad. It's how you right. use the electricity can turn into something bad or something good. And even good and bad is relative, right? Those terms are not even valid. It's what does it mean to you? What does abundance of energy means to you? So thank you again for saying that, Ben. I really appreciate that. So Ben, let's dive into your journey of your migration to wealth. What does wealth meant has meant to you? Because I know that you are in your third chapter of your life right now. Yes. So you've had different lives in the past. And we're not talking about past lives. We're talking about he has made <laughs> he has made multiple and we will talk about afterlife at some point in our show. Uh, but we're talking about different pivots that have that have shifts in the lives, right? So that's what we're referring to as chapters in life. So Ben, talk about your journey. Let's go back to when you defined a concept of wealth, unknowingly or knowingly, and to you now and how you how did you build a bridge to get there? Whew, great question. So, Socket, I think when I reflect back, my association with the word wealth has morphed into different meanings to me. It depends on what chapter of my life I'm in. So, you, you mentioned earlier that I'm in my third chapter, which is correct. So, maybe we kind of dial it back to the first chapter. You know, I started off my professional career in as a real estate hospitality consultant. And so, so basically for four, first four years of that career in that first chapter, I lived out of a suitcase. Sometimes I didn't know which time zone I was in, but we would work with, you know, hotel management companies, real estate developers, hotel developers, you know, folks in the food and beverage uh, industry, anything hospitality related. And um, this is after getting a master's in real estate. And funny enough, when I was there, because I was actually one of the youngest students there, I think the average age was I want to say it was like in their early 30s and I was like 23. I was like one of the youngest ones there. Wow. But but being in that situation, okay, a lot of my peers and colleagues are have work experience. I was like, you know, basically like a student for you know forever at that point and so I was very underexperienced, over educated um, so to speak. And I remember I was thinking to a counselor at the time, I was like, you know, what would be, if I wanted to dabble into and really dive into real estate, what would be a good starting point? And, and I never forgot this because I literally took that play out of their playbook, which is, well, if you look at all the different real estate asset classes, I'm speaking to this because I know your audience is in real estate, right? Yeah. If you look at all the real estate asset classes, right? You've got multifamily, you've got industrial, retail, commercial, uh, commercial office specifically, and then hotels. Well, if you look at that, the most complex real estate is hotels. Now, why is that? It's because, you know, as as multifamily, usually you're signing yearly leases. Right. If you look at retail, industrial, and office, you're usually signing multiple year leases. But if you look at hotel, you're filling the beds every day. It's a very operating intensive yeah. operation. So, <clears throat> excuse me, if you know how to underwrite a very operating intensive real estate asset class like a hotel, everything else would be a walk in the park. True. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. So that's kind of where I had my start. So that's why I started in hospitality real estate because if I understand that and sure enough, over time, sometimes our clients would ask us to underwrite portfolio that deals with mixed use or things right. like that. Okay. Well, that's not going to be as complicated because I already know how to do it from a hotel standpoint. Right. So it was a very great training grounds. It was very great training grounds. Um, but what happened was it was a day, the day before Christmas in 2008. I was working in downtown LA at the time. And I remember I was driving into, into work that morning. And I remember I was listening to uh, KISS FM, which is like a you know pop radio station here in LA. 
And there's this new song by the Pussycat Dolls, which was like, I hate this moment right now. And I was like, oh, that's a little catchy tone, right? And socket. I don't know how to describe it, but I remember I was li- halfway listening to that song. It's like it hit me. I was like, oh, I'm going to get laid off today. And sure enough, as I drove in, got in, got called into conference room with uh, the uh, imagine director and, and an HR rep. Oh, interesting. And I was getting laid off. You know, wait, wait, wait. Let, let, let's pause it for a second because that's, that's an important sure. thing. You, you heard that song. Was there some lyrics in the song? What, what was going through at that time? Bring us back before we go move forward because it's an important moment because random thought, did yeah. you know that they were going to lay off? Did you know the company was challenged? Yeah. Was it just a culmination or was a random occurrence of event? Yeah. Good question, Socket. So I had already suspicions that I was going to get laid off leading up to it. And the reason is because the day before, my manager did ask me like, hey, we're going to have a conference call meeting uh, tomorrow morning at this time. So can you show up at work? I was like, yeah, sure. And uh, what do I need to prep for it? Like, oh, no, don't worry about it. Just going to just come in. Wait, what? And always something. In a consulting, there's a meeting with a managing director without without preparation, definitely. Yeah. yeah so, so there was already some inkling with it, it. but and and Saka, when I look back, I didn't know yet. And frankly, everyone has intuition. It's just understanding how is it trying to communicate with you because it's going to be different for everyone. Yeah. I didn't know it yet, but. It was my intuition telling me like, yeah, laid off today, right? And it was just something about the song that triggered that information of energy where it was like, but this language back then, so I, could, I didn't understand it yet. Yeah. I, I would just, it was, it was almost like, you know, sometimes when comets, you know, if they, if they, if they just skid off of the earth because it just ricochets, because it just barely scratches the surface. It was kind of like that. It was one of the moments where like, oh, I've got those intuitive hits. They understand what it meant. Why is there a blinking light on my dashboard? I don't know what it means. Ignore. It was. It was. I was still in that state of mind. And how old but, were you? Oh gosh. So that would have been. That would have been twenty. Either twenty or twenty nine. Got it. So at that time you'd be yeah. in and work for like four five years. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And so uh, you know that was a very lovely holiday season being laid off. But you know what? It, there's a funny thing. Looking back, it was a big, big blessing because anytime a door closes, as long as you're looking in the right areas, another one typically opens up. And whether you know it or not, typically is for the right reasons, as long as you're aware and being present. And so what happened was, as that first chapter in my life as a hospitality consultant closed, a second one emerged where I had this amazing opportunity to work for a family office. Now, so for some folks that don't understand what that terminology means, family office is just a fancy term for an investment team, either for a high net worth individual or for principals to have created wealth and now they want a team to help them manage their capital. And so it just happened that the family I worked for created their generational wealth in the restaurant business. And because I've written a lot of different asset classes and in their family office, you know, they were at the time essentially taking a play out of McDonald's. It's like, hey, if I already know where I want to build, rather than giving that um, value add to a developer, why don't I just develop it myself? Right. And so they took a play out of McDonald's. They created this family office as their real estate arm, essentially, for starting their own real estate assets. But because I've underwritten a lot of different asset classes, they want to start diversifying their portfolio looking at things outside 
of just retail, retail and other S classes. And so that's when I started my second chapter of my career as an investment officer. And from there, gained so many experiences. You know, I, I also met my wife there. There's so much to be thankful for with my principals. And, and in the span of that seven years, you know, we, we bought a lot of real estate, invested in a lot of different projects. Um, I also helped them grow their alternative practice, which just means investing into direct deals and companies, anywhere from startup to private equity deal, mm -hmm. anything under the sun. Like I it pretty much, you know, had the opportunity of coming across my desk and seeing it underwriting it. And being a consultant, you know how to right. consume a lot of quick a lot of information in a short period of amount of time. Right. But it was then in the middle where in meeting my wife, getting married, having our first child, that's when I had my first awakening spiritually when my son was born. So what happened was about three and a half years into about halfway into my second chapter. I, we, my son gave, uh, my daughter, my wife gave birth to our first child, which is our son. And in that maternity leave, in that first month or six weeks, I was forced to turn off my BlackBerry. I was not getting any incoming emails, right? So I was actually forced to unplug, which was a blessing. And I remember- and, uh, Let's just talk about, when you're saying forced to, who forced you to do that? I think, I think just being a maternity leave, like it was, Correct. as I recall, it was just it's like- Corporate, hey, the corporate culture was such. Corporate. Corporate, yeah, yeah, which was great. It was great because I basically had a I had an out of office reply, and I was just you know unavailable for for yeah. another six weeks period of time. And at the time, and I'm not sure if you have something similar in your culture, socket, but in the in the Chinese and the Taiwanese culture, we have what's called like a birth center, where in the first thirty days when the mother gives birth, it's really a time for the mother to recuperate, yeah, you know, and, and recalibrate, and so. And so there's these birth centers where there's like a 24-hour nursing staff. The mom can really rest, you know, as they're as they're you know nursing the baby, but also just being able to heal the body because you know going through birth is quite a ordeal, you know, physically, right, and emotionally. And so um, we did find a birth center near our house, and I remember two weeks into my son was being born, I was laying in bed next to my wife. Uh, she was already falling asleep, and so I was staring at the ceiling. And I had this vision come in. And this vision was this house with a front yard and two kids was running around. My wife and I were laying in the grass. Everyone seemed very happy. It's a very joyful moment. But what I didn't understand, what was very odd for me, is that as I'm seeing this movie trailer, this vision play out, I was feeling empty. I was like, wait, what's going on here? And it's because, and I knew this was a vision of the future socket because at the time, I was still living in a one-bedroom apartment in Old Town, Pasadena with my wife. We just had our first kid. We didn't have a house, right? I wasn't in our cards yet. And so I knew there's a vision of the future, but why is this vision of happiness, why am I not able to connect with it emotionally? Why am I feeling empty right now? I didn't understand. didn't compute. And it wasn't until I dig deeper and understand, wait, why, why is there this huge disconnect? That's when I realized the path that I was on, my default path, was designed and created by society, parents, external factors. It wasn't a path my soul wanted to be on. Yeah. Like if my if my purpose and my desire, main desire in life is to be, you know, an investment officer for a billionaire family, 
like this is it. There's no better principles to work for. They're very. I'm so grateful for them. But at that moment, I realized, holy crap, this isn't this isn't life that I really truly wanted to be on. That's why I wasn't able to feel that feelings of joy and happiness. And my immediate question I asked myself when I had that aha moment, Saka, was like, what the hell do I do with that? Yeah. <laughs> like what? Right? Like what do I do with that? I I I I didn't know. I felt stuck and. It wasn't until fast forward three, you know, another three plus years later, that's when I was like, you know, I still only had one child at a time, but I was like, you know what? If I want to figure out what my purpose is, and I already know the default path is not going to get me there, I have to take myself off those tracks and create a new one. Yeah. And it was such a bizarre conversation because when I remember walking in, I was telling principles, my both principles, independently but i was like you know i my intentions of 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 leaving a post and you know his first meeting question is what are you leaving to i was like i don't know yet like what do you mean you don't know yet i was like i honestly i i i don't know all i know is i i need the space to figure out which quadrant i want to be rowing towards but i just know this current quadrant isn't bringing me that fulfillment and i try to do it in the most respectful way in that look because of how much I've worked with them and how I was integrated with them, I was like, look, I want to make sure their transition is smooth. So initially I gave them like a six week notice to try to like make sure there's the right people and team in place. And that turned into six months to make sure like, look, this is really, I want to make sure this is really done right. But where we really had that disagreement was, you know, if I'm leaving because I had a better opportunity, I'm migrating to a different area with a more, right? I, I, I All I know in my heart I don't know why. I just know I have to figure it out. I need the space. It's like jumping out of the airplane without no parachute, but I'll make the parachute as my on my way down. That's crazy, right? Right. Right. But and, and I don't. And in reflection, I don't necessarily advise people to do that. Yeah. But I just knew I needed to make that change. And let me pause you for a second because I think uh, I want to make sure that there's a key point here that I want to hone into is. From that vision of life uh, next to you, why did it take three and a half years to make any motive? What happened at the end of three and a half years? I'm saying in around three and a half years. Let's go back in the time because, of course, you have that vision. You have that perspective. That perspective stays with you, right? You may not be able to act right away. So that thought about this is not going to be fulfilling or that vision wasn't fulfilling. That vision wasn't the life you were hoping with your family yeah. that you don't feel content, happy, fulfilled, whatever word you choose. Yeah. And then from that vision to doing something about it, it takes you three and a half years. Yeah. So uh, help us understand what happened at the three and a half years. Did something mm-hmm. trigger? Was it an internal event? Was it an external event where you guys yeah. pregnant again? What happened right. at time where it, re- it forced you to take an action towards that void? Instead of, right. because most people, Wait till they're 65 to fill that void. Right. That's really the context of the question. Yeah. No. Okay. So good question. All right. Let's, let's, let's go deeper into the rabbit hole. Right. Yeah. So I'll say this. I'll say this because it was more a culmination of pressure and of pressure and energy, I should say. Let me elaborate. Having, the, having that vision and having that breakthrough and aha moment, the programming and language I was still using internally didn't know how to compute that, right? Because 
from externally, people like, man, I have, I loved my job. I love yeah. the people I work with. It was very intellectually, very stimulating, right? Like going to masters, doing that, buying these assets. I mean, I, and then in seven years, I deployed over a billion dollars. Like that's a lot of money. It's a lot of energy. I didn't understand it, but it's a lot of money. And I, I was very intellectually stimulated, but I didn't understand with this vision and because when I think about it, I had this belief system. This belief socket was once I achieve X, then I'll be happy. Yeah. Why do people want to level up? Why do people want to make more yeah. money? Right? I mean, it becomes a bit of a rat race if you think about it, but like if you're able to zoom out, do you have what is the core root belief system that's downloaded in your subconscious? And for me, it was, well, once I level up, once I achieve X, mm -hmm. then I'll be happy. And the current career place environment was in alignment with that belief. But was that belief in alignment with my soul? That vision was sort of breaking through. It wasn't. But I didn't understand it. Like imagine, imagine this, right? I'll use an analogy here, Sake. Imagine your entire life, you've been speaking the language of Italian. And then you had this vision spoken to you in German and you don't want to compute because you don't want to understand that language. I don't get it. So even though visually it was like, okay, I think there's something here, but I don't understand it. It's okay. We'll come back to it later because I think. So for the first couple of years, even after having that vision, it's like I knew this wasn't working, but I don't know how to digest it, compute it, integrate it. Yeah. I didn't understand what alignment really meant, at least for me spiritually for that because still starting my spiritual journey. So so because of that, I delayed and that culmination of pressure started building because then other things would happen personally at work where I'm like, it got to the point where I'm like, oh my gosh. Then for me, seeing my son grow up and you know, after being a couple of years, I was like, you know, I think I had this, maybe I had this other vision where it's like, well, if I fast forward five, 10 years from now and whether we have another kid or not, whether you know the kids are grown up, then they like, you know, they enjoy the school they're in. Having to unplug then, the opportunity cost then, be that much greater, right? Sure. I mean, there's this thing called golden handcuffs, right? Like, yeah. and if I can already see that foresight of that's my default future, do I really want that or not? And something my soul is telling me I don't, oh, it was harder to ignore. Like somehow, even though I don't understand German, okay, something's making me understand and decipher the meaning behind, the intent behind it. Man, could we go okay. deeper? Yeah, absolutely. If we go even deeper, because I think uh, yeah. so. There's let let me let me let me put my perspective, and you tell me if I'm. You tell me. Uh, we're just having a conversation. Yes. So what I heard from you was that you had a vision of, um, and well, we'll I'm I'm gonna make it a number so that people can relate to. Three thousand square feet house, acre lot, a white picket fence, everything is perfect uh, from outside, and you felt unhappy. You felt unfulfilled. I can't, I can't remember the word you used. And so what you basically said, well, well maybe I don't need a 3,000 square feet. I need a 10,000 square feet. Maybe that's why I'm unhappy. Because the language that you were so used to listening to was, I need to, I thought 3,000 would give me happiness. Maybe 10,000 would give me more happiness. So let me work even harder. Let me pour myself into work even more. And that took you away from something that was so precious to you, which is your child. At the time with the child, and if that's true, and I don't know if that's not, mm. vocabulary is, if I want to be happy, I need more of something. That's a vocabulary. I'm changing the if-then that you used. If I need to be happy, I need more of 
money, of prestige, of power, of fame, whatever that is. But I need more of that material thing outside. Where I'm still trying to struggle is what happened at that three and a half moment? Um, because, of course, you're spending time with the kid, right? The kid is at that point not complaining about your time. Maybe he did. I don't know. But something would have, something more dramatic would have happened that just, you know how they say that it's the last straw on the camel's back? Yeah. So I'm trying to look for that. What was your last straw moment? All these things are building up the pressure, but something just tipped it. Do you recall that? Longing into my memory to see if there's a, if there's a events or what it feels more of socket is that it was a series of mini events that mm. accumulated. That's the thing. That's what I mean by accumulation of pressure. Right. Because at one point, it isn't like one specific one made me go like, okay, that's it, right? It, I didn't feel like that was the case. But but I, I do want to go back and clarifying, because you did bring up a very interesting approach to the vision that I had. Because for me, it was, you know, going, let's use the analogy you shared, which was a house, 3,000 square feet, right? I knew that's what I wanted to desire, but something it felt like, and how I'm getting there, the how. Yeah. Yes, you can still get the house, you can get all these material things and have that. But just knowing that I wasn't happy is like, wait, why do I have to live my life as or? Why can't it be and? And, yeah. yeah. And because I didn't, there's no one to share with me, you can live your, your life with and. It doesn't have to be or, right? Why does it have to be traded off between making money and that? Why can't it? Why can't you have both? Oh, yeah. right. And, and knowing that if that's the life I want with an and, my current tracks and my path was really more of an or. Okay, that's not going to work. Yeah, well, I love that. Thank you for thank you for bringing. It. I think that's the key thing right there is that realization to articulate that. So intellectually, you may have understood it, right? Most of us understand that because we all parents or aging relatives. We're seeing them, and we're seeing at 65, even if they had money, they either don't have the help or they still not happy. We all, we all, I think intellectually, we all have seen it. We may not, we may not see ourselves in that position. Like you know, we're different, we're unique. When I'm at 65, I'm going to be the best uh, in my best health and my best mental capacity. But it takes time, right? For most of us, we may not even understand that till we're 80. But I think what you're saying is that. You change your equation form, not if then else, but this and then, right? This and that, not this or that or this then that. It's this yeah. and that. So that whole terminology, the the verbiage change. So like, I could be happy, and I could have a twenty thousand square feet house if I wanted, and there's nothing wrong in that, because our society yeah. tells us that unfortunately, it's very unfortunate. And you know my story, but I lived in and left everything. Dude, I was getting phone calls from my very friend. What's wrong in your marriage that you're escaping from? I'm like, dude, my marriage is perfect. There's nothing wrong in my marriage. They're like, you know what? You need you can live in an ashram when you're 70. That's what the life is for now. And you know, mom calls me, who has since passed away. She's like, well, old people do that, right? I'm like, you're right. That's one way of looking at it. But if I know that's what I'm going to do at 70, why would I do it now? Yeah. Right. It's just that oh, switch. I have love to. that. Okay. So let's let's go further to the rabbit hole you just you just created. Um, I love what you just shared, socket, because that's the other thing is that if you if your belief system, what what I found, there's no right or wrong. 
but it's just that's an equation that doesn't work for me because if yeah. your belief system is once I achieve X, then I'll be happy. Once I get that next deal, once I make that next million, whatever it is, right? In Excel, it's what you call circular reference. It's yeah. an error, right? But then, but then the question is, if you know that's an error and you know that's not what you want to live into, then what do you replace it with? That's the biggest question. What do you replace yeah. that new equation with? And so, and you touched on this earlier, which is if you know there's something that will bring you happiness today in the present moment, why do you have to wait because society tells you that that's something you do in your 70s or 60s or whatever it is? It's like, how do you feel the vibration of joy now? Now, yeah. Because if you do and you give yourself the permission to and you feel and raise your energy level to feel that joy now, you're getting a glimpse of what it is to start attracting your reality to you rather than chasing after it. I didn't understand that at the time, by the way. That yeah. took me literally this third chapter I'm in right now to fully understand this. And I'm still learning being frank with it, but it's how do you raise your energy and vibration to match the reality that you want? And part of it is first being aware of, well, where are you energetically emitting at this current moment? Yeah. And so even though other people can't comprehend, wait, 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 you're reversing the order. You got to do that later on when you're like, you know, towards like your last chapter of life. Who says that's the truth? That might be your truth. doesn't have to be mine. Definitely. Definitely. Right? And the funny thing is, is once you start following your joy, the world, how it occurs to you and your experience starts to shift. So let's talk about that, Ben. Let's pause for a second. We'll come yeah. back to it, but let's go back to the end of your chap chapter two. Yeah. And then we'll come back to it. I know I'm sure. I'm going back and forth with you. No, That's no, no okay. worries. I love it. Let's, we're we're, we're, we're keeping, doing... Uh... I'm keeping track of that. I'm keeping yeah, track yeah. of where I'm leaving. Or we'll come back to it. Because I think the third chapter is very important to understand. To make sense of what where you were going with the next one, and I think I sure. think I know where you were going with that. I could be off, but let's let's assume I know where you were going with it. So, tell us the transitions. Now you've gotten your principles aligned. You're aligned with the principles at that time. Six month break, six weeks turned into six months. Let's go back to the story. What where where did you go from there? So after my last day in that position, and I officially left that that job. I mean, man, it took me it took me like almost two to three months to decompress and recalibrate, honestly. Because at the at the job that I was doing, I mean, just to put some context into it, right? I was working with the head of real estate and any real estate acquisitions. I'll be the one underwriting and putting a package together as a year and a, and then you know taking to investment committee. As I was doing that, working with the head of real estate on the real estate acquisition side. Any inbounds of people want investing in this fund, in this direct deal, that's non-real estate. I was a one-man band at the time. I was like, wait, this isn't sustainable. <laughs> like there's a whole people create private equity shops to do this, or you know, their VC shops. Like, I need to start hiring. And there's like, well, you know, at the time it was like if it ain't broken, why fix it? I it's working. And I was like, but it was just a lot of it was like drinking out of two fire hoses at the same time. And to finally unplug from that, I didn't realize, oh my God, I was running mental marathons every day, like in terms of what all the activity I was going on. And now just to stop, full stop, it was like my body just needed to recalibrate, right? And and after that recalibration, it's like, okay, well, what, what do I want to do? Man, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, sure. What did, that, what did that mean to you? Because I think and the reason is, I think it's an, it's an important element. Yeah. When people talk about not working, because you had that mm -hmm. glimpse of not working or yeah. by choice. So we'll call it as a semi-retirement. Now, 
mm-hmm. because that's what you took. You took retirement of your current job without knowing what to do with your life. Forget about mm-hmm. money. A sabbatical or something, right? Yeah. Sabbatical. That's called a, <laughs> the best equivalent is sabbatical, especially from yeah. the tech world. It's a six month, seven month sabbatical. Yeah. So in a sabbatical, you know where you're going back to, at least unless you change your mind. You know you're going right. back to the same life again. So you have less of an identity right. crisis. But in this case, you stripped away everything you knew and you knew you were not going to go back to that. And you had no idea where you're going to go with that. So that right. recalibration and decompression, while it's very important, did you have moments of regret? Did you have moments of, holy crap, I know I did. What did I do? It feels right, <laughs> but how am I going to put food on the table? What am, what's going to happen to that? And I feel used. I, I'm, I'm giving you words. You don't have to use those words, but whatever your words were, could you help yeah. us understand those two months, two to three months of your life before yeah. you took charge of doing something with it? Right. Well, you know, after after exiting, I mean, I have enough savings where we're, we're good for, for a couple of years, really. But but at the time, I was like, okay, I just needed my body to recalibrate because I didn't realize how high strung it was. The, the, the analogy I can share with you is... Is this? Have you ever have you ever heard the analogy of the frog in a boiling pot? Yeah. Right. So he doesn't know he's in boiling water until he jumps out of the pot, right? Correct. But because because it, the pressure and the and the temperature has been just slowly incrementally increasing, where it just feels like you're in a sauna, but you don't realize you're in a boiling pot. But if you don't jump out of the pot, what happens? You're, you're gonna die. You're gonna get you die. You're gonna get cooked, right? But having having that unplug and then jumping out of the pot, realizing, oh my goodness. Like that was not sustainable yeah. for me. First, having that awareness for me, at least where I want to be. Then it's like, okay, all right, let me cool down, <laughs> dry off, <laughs> figure out, right? And and it, and it took and, and it really took that couple of months to just just decompress is the best way I can just describe it. But then, what happens in the moments of stillness and silence? Yeah, you're gonna have feelings of like, wait, did I do the right thing? Oh my god, what am I gonna do? Like, is that? Yeah. Yes, those thoughts definitely do come in. But there's a stay in your mind that's your choice, right? Yeah. And it's like, and I just have to have that conviction. It's like, no, I and, and the thing, funny enough, my wife left around the same time. She actually left before I did. So we were there also for seven years. She was there for seven years. She was right. in HR. I was in a family office. And but she, because, and I'm so grateful, so grateful for this, is that we both began our spiritual journeys around the same time. At that corporate job, they were very, very big on personal development. We've taken Lamar Education. We've taken Tony Robbins, and so working on the mindset was something yeah. that was something that we valued. It wasn't a foreign concept to us, and and in doing that, but also what's Theta healing? What's Reiki healing? What is this energy work, right? And and I, I remember my first Theta session. The person, uh, Jonathan Liu, who was the one that facilitated this Theta uh, healing session. I remember the first thing he said in the session was, I mean, he was almost started to cry. He was like, man, I'm feeling this sadness. And I'm here, just stoic, no, no like emotions. Left brain, like, no emotions. I, like, I was like, what are you talking about, right? He's like, no, I'm just, you just tapped into the energy of just like, wow, like the inner child that me is just, there's emotion just never let let out. Like it hasn't, hasn't felt through it. It's just almost like as if it was like trapped in a door in in a, in a, in a room and in, in, in a basement or in the attic and it hasn't been let out. And like, I wasn't feeling anything. I was like, wait, what are you talking about, right? But as we worked through that session, and I think it was maybe the following one after, I remember that month. So this was still when I was in a second chapter um, before having a kid. But I remember then it's like, wow, I've completely shut off my emotions as a defense 
mechanism because I felt pain and trauma when I was in my early childhood where in order to protect myself, I didn't let the emotions flow. So I was able to switch it on and off like a like a light switch, but it was default off rather than on. And when I opened it, when Jonathan helped me open the emotions and feelings and running through my body, it was almost like breaking through the Hoover Dam. Like I didn't know how to control it. Mm. So I was a hot mess. I remember I'm, you know, I would never cry at movies and I'm watching some commercial and I'm just starting to tear up and wife's like, yeah. what's going on? Right. Yeah. Like because I did I was it was almost like 20 years of just not allowing emotions to flow and ben this was while you were still there or this is after you this is why i was still there when i when i started my spiritual journey it was when i was still in that corporate job so i was still in that second chapter and this is post vision or pre-vision it's a good question i think it was pre i think i'm i'm I'm, in my mind i'm connecting the dots with you i think something unlocked in these sessions yes which showed you the vision yes you just didn't know that vision i didn't know it that's right the signal the sign for that i tell you is where once you are able to comprehend, I think I think now at least in my head, yeah. of course, the left brain starts to act up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to yeah, tie yeah. a thread to everything, so I think now it started sure. to make sense in my head where you had a spiritual awakening without yeah. where something got unlocked in you at multiple things. And again, it's not one thing. You went to landmark, Trey Robbins, yeah, Theta yep. Healing, and probably other modalities as well. And I want to come back to Theta Healing, and I want to come back to landmark and Trey Robbins. I think we're gonna have like a th- in here because there's so much to talk about. Maybe we'll bring you back in in, in the respect of time here. But yeah. that makes sense to me now. Right? So now, so you're, you're, let's go deeper into the inner child. Yes. Because I think where we're going, this is the alignment really happens with the, at least in my, in my perspective, you tell me if that's, if that's your belief as a practitioner, as a, as a coach is we all are born as a child along the way. We kill that child, or we or put that we lock that child. Killing is we silence. Right. We silence. We silence. Silence the child. We don't. We yeah. we tune that person off. Whoever the child was, right? And most of us are not feeling fulfilled. Is because the inner child, that child is trying to tell us something. Yeah. And we're now we're now saying whatever you are saying. So imagine raising your own kids. For those of you who have it, you're telling a child, and and I'll tell you a vivid example from me. My daughter was gonna do a somersault off of the bed on the floor. And my first instinctive reaction was, you get hurt. And I could see in her eyes, I said, oh, don't do it, you may get hurt. She's like, right, I'm going to get hurt. I had to quickly, because that was that was the moment I'm like, I'm going to kill her inner child at that moment. I'm like, you know what, what if we put a cushion underneath and you still flip? We had some mattresses we just put in there. She flips, she's like, oh, I'm not hurt. I'm going to flip again, I'm going to flip again. So I was able to recognize what I was going to do, but we don't, I don't do that to myself. Yeah. Right? We don't do that to ourselves. We may, but imagine what would have happened to that child when you're silencing that child forever. At some point, that child's going to look for external approval saying, Mom, Dad, I'm trying to make a decision. Do you think it's right? Right. Or, I, I'm confused what to do. What do you think is right? Right. And that's yeah. where I believe this is my theory. And I just came up with it after talking, since we started talking, is really the problem for external validation and us being driven by the external circumstances is because we have no idea what's right or wrong with us, for us, mm-hmm. because we have no idea how to listen to the inner child who's telling you where your path is. And you get lost. Yes. And the only voice hearing, the external voice is much stronger than the internal voice at that point. So tell me what you, I, I took it a completely different direction. 
So let's bring it back. So tell me what your thoughts are on that. Um, and then let's tie it back into your, th- into your theta work. Yeah. No, so I agree with what you said in that you have to learn how to heal your inner child to gain access to what then brings you joy. And if at any point in life, whether the environment you're in, whether it's your parents or your siblings or you know relatives, whatever it is, if the environment or an experience gave you those moments of silence and you didn't feel safe to express yourself authentically, then it doesn't go away. It just means you kind of just locked it up in, in the inner world of it, right? Like imagine a house is in your inner world and you know what happens when you when a kid wants to express himself and you close the door on and, and locked up in their own bedroom, then what happens? They're gonna pound the door louder, right? And yeah. the further you further you go away from you know the farther father's place from the house so you don't hear the sound, doesn't mean it's not there. It's still there. But having that silenced and not understanding and feeling through it. I mean, one of the things, you know, one of my friends, Dr. Yvonne, shared in a lot. It's like you have to feel it to heal it, yeah. but you just have to be in a safe space so you can know how to feel it to heal it safely. And that's the thing. Like our school, our society, and culture doesn't necessarily teach us how to listen to that inner child. And whether it's a form of therapy or a coach or whatever it is, helping you to bring that out is because if you know how, if you know where the root causes are, you're probably feeling pain in terms of the symptoms of where it's popping up in your life, right? Yeah. Physically, you know, professionally, all that stuff, but. But the root cause usually is never there. It's usually somewhere else. And it's a good place to look you, at. How did you create that safe, safe space? Because, of course, your training was very left brain. Yeah. You got directed. You lucked into. Yeah. I would say lucked into. Right. There's, nothing, yeah. there's nothing called as luck. Life, life pushed you in the right direction. You need to be pushed. Where yeah. you got into this organization that introduced you to Len, Oni Robbins, yes. Jonathan Liu, and all that healing modalities that you yes. probably would not have been exposed to it consulting, but it let you lead consulting for a reason to get you this direction. So now right. you're aware of the inner child is not happy in those sessions. How yes. did you create a safe space? So I'm going to give a lot of credit to my wife here because going back to what I said earlier about I'm very blessed that my wife and I started our spiritual journey together, knowing the importance of that soul growth because we both had that desire and hunger to grow spiritually. Once that path opened up for us, when she left Panda, she also knew that that path no longer served her. Mm-hmm. So when I left, she understood like, okay, that path no longer serves. So let's figure out how we're going to co-create this. Having a, a partner that understands that I can appreciate that makes a world of difference because that's your immediate, what I call soil, the environment you're rooted in. And having that understanding and that compassion and that space to allow to explore makes really a huge difference because if I had a partner where it's like, why are you leaving that corporate job? Like, you know, that's, that, that's going to impact my lifestyle. And like, that would be a much harder pill to swallow or a decision to make. Right. But we both knew it didn't serve us. Yeah. We were both extremely grateful for being there in those moments in our lives. But we also knew that that wasn't what our soul wanted to be on both of, uh, both of us individually and knowing, having that mutual understanding and that compassion for each other for that. And so I feel allowed to make this transition digestible. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, it's, it's a major shift. So I love that. So now let's go, let's go move forward. Um, you have figured out, you've recalibrated, and you have mm-hmm. depressurized, borrowing your terms. And now you're ready to take your next step. Yeah. Walk us through that. 
what that looked like? It was a mess. <laughs> That's an honest <laughs> answer. It was a mess. I mean, I mean, can, can you imagine? Okay, I'm eating this cuisine all my life. Doesn't serve me anymore. I don't know where to go. You walk into a buffet. We don't even start, right? Like that's kind of what it felt. And how long ago was that, Ben? Oh gosh, this was like maybe eight years now. Eight years. Yeah. So I once I decompress and and all right, let's explore what I want to be an entrepreneur. What does that mean? What 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 are different business models? What was my skill set? Well, I understood real estate. I understand. I saw a lot of different business models. I invested in a lot of different stages of companies and say, like, okay, well, let's, you know, I think our first idea that my wife and I had, because it's like, all right, well, what's, what's the gap? What's the, what's a need that this world can use, right? And having, being a new father and, and my wife being a new mother, she also in her journey, by the way, when she left corporate in HR, she became a yoga instructor. Right. So she went down that and then and then she taught yoga and then that that opened up, you know, different spiritual channels when you're when you're doing yoga, mm-hmm. that modality. Right. And and then she moved from there to nutrition. And so it's like, well, we want healthy food for our kids. Why can't we have organic offerings for our kids? We don't really see mm-hmm. that. We see a need. Why don't we try to fill it? So so we had this initial idea of creating organic food delivered to kids in schools so that they can really eat because what you know you're during school trying to strengthen your IQ feeding the mind right but what are you feeding your body it's almost equally as important and so that's something we both valued so we went down this rabbit hole I put a team together you know created a pitch deck I'm doing it I we did a tasting you know, we had a we had a chef that's part of the team and everyone loved the food the way it came down to price point we need to charge in, at the time eight and a half dollars for this to be a viable business. If you're buying like organic, you know, ingredients, right? Okay. But okay. everyone was used to paying a price point of six and a half, seven dollars. And 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 after that feedback, I remember telling my team, I was like, guys, as much as I love to bring this to life, there's a big gap that we can't we can't bridge because the behaviorism of what people are used to paying for kids. And when I say kids, I'm talking about like you know, call it between kinder to fifth grade, right? Yeah. They're willing to pay like maybe six and a half, seven dollars. But if your price point is eight and a half dollars, if not nine, then and this is back in gosh, this is like five years ago, right? But so it was just pre-pandemic. But if it's going to be eight and a half, nine dollars, then I, I'm not going to buy it every day. I probably meant to try it once a week or something like that. And right. so I was telling them like, hey, we don't have a business, we might have to pivot here. And it's just being around numbers enough, I just knew like, okay, this this is not going to work. And so we pivoted, then life events happened. We had to disband the team. We're also friends, but we had to go our separate ways because everyone had different life experiences. And I remember then, you know, my wife and I, you know, was with, let's see, she was in nutrition, just started her nutrition program. And then once I decided not to do that startup, you know, friends found out, hey, I have availability. Hey, there's this real estate startup. You want to, you want to dive into there? I was like, you know, I think it'd be great. He's looking for a CEO. I was like, you know, no, I, my wife was, was, she convinced me like, Hey, there's this world of coaching and blogging. And I felt like, you know, all the learnings I got from the mindset stuff of Tony Robbins and Landmark and all the things we read from like Warren Buffett and investing. Hey, I think there's a space in between. Yeah. Right. So, so my first iteration of coaching was really bring the personal development side of mindset and also coaching, but speak it and articulate it in a way that I can understand, right? And so I remember creating a website, writing 10 blog posts. 
I was about to publish and go live the next day. Got this text from a friend that was an, uh, an advisor for the startup and saying, hey, I have this guy that's starting this real estate startup. I think you guys will click. Do you mind just taking this lunch with them? I was like, ah, you know, I, I was going to publish this thing and do this thing, but okay, fine. You know, sure, it was a friend yeah. and sure. So I met up with this friend and sure enough, we clicked. It was like, you know, meeting a Lasalam brother from another mother, right? Yeah. And and so his idea was, you know, look, because he's a real estate agent and it's like right now at the time, the only value, I should say only, one of the values a real estate agent has is access to pocket listings and off-market deals, right? And, but how do you do it in a way to help all parties and protecting their interests? And so what his initial idea was, hey, what if we created this platform, this online marketplace for off-market deals in a similar vein that Priceline does, you know, um, opaque kind of pricing for, you know, to fill up an inventory stock. Why don't we do that for residential like single-family homes? Because when you go on the market and it doesn't sell, it's been on the market for three days. The entire world knows that because it's on the MLS, right. right? Then you're going to get people that are going to you know lowball you on offers because yeah. like, and then when you take it off the thing, people there's a history with that. So how do you do it with this you know, with discretion? We want to create this online platform. So and it was like a shiny object syndrome because it's like, all right, this is pulling all of my experiences of real estate and like understanding of leading a team. So I got attracted towards, pulled towards that, end up pausing my coaching thing. Went down that rabbit hole for a year, being the CEO of this real estate startup. And towards the end of that startup, I, I realized like, wow, this wasn't bringing me joy. Again, it was that kind of that feeling that when I had the first thing, I was like, wait, why am I doing this again? I felt like I was doing it more ego-driven than it is more yeah. soul-driven, if I'm being very honest with myself. And and knowing that, oh man, guys, I think I have to be an advisor and and pull myself out of this position because it's not this is this isn't working for me. And if I if I don't feel it. And if I don't put my heart in it, then the team and this and this company is going to suffer as well too. Right. So I had to pull from that. And then when I pull from that, then another real estate, you know, commercial real estate uh, friend of mine wanted to partner up and like start syndicating deals. You know, I, I keep getting pulled into the left brain, keep getting pulled into the yeah. you know, matrix of blue pill, right? Because that was my career. I mean, for 20 years, it's been in real estate. But wait, is that what I really wanted? I wasn't sure at the time, right? And, and so the second event that really... Going, going to a phrase that you mentioned earlier, socket, which was what broke the camel's back. What happened was my uncle passed away during the pandemic, the first year of pandemic. And this was an uncle of mine that I loved dearly. He was the kind of guy where like, man, if I'm in trouble, he's a guy I'm going to call because, you know, he's just been that solid rock. And he had three sons that are like brothers to me, right? They're cousins, but really they're not like my brothers. And what happened was when he passed away, the family asked me to be an MC for the funeral. And I remember being an MC, it was a rainy day and pandemic, everyone was on masks. It was a very surreal experience there. And I remember coming back home, family's asleep, it's close to midnight, I'm underwriting another commercial real estate deal in Excel. And I just remember pausing, I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. It's been six, five, six years since I've left my corporate job. The intention was to figure out what brings me passion and yet I'm still going through the old cycles of it. And it's like, wait, what am I doing? Man, that's what I mean by it was messy, right? And so I paused that partnership. I was like, hey guys, like, I'm really sorry, but this isn't, I'm, I'm redoing these, maybe because it was just innate reaction and yeah. habit, but I, I need to pause this first 
and, and really see. And, and I remember I was talking to my wife and I was like, man, like I just, I felt lost. I felt lost. Like, wait, what, what's going on here? Like, and she reminded me, it's like, well, didn't you want to do that coaching thing? I was like, yeah, I did. All right. Well, I remember I had all my laptop. I had, I was about to publish. So I went back and looked at the material and I was like, this felt old energy. This felt, this didn't feel authentically me at the time that I was in. Mm -hmm. Like I could see why I did it back then, but like I was maybe able to use like a third of it, but it just, if I were to publish then, it wasn't authentically me because I've evolved from that. Sure. But what am I evolving to? What am I, what is it that I'm coaching? What is it that I want to be able to share? And, and I thought about it and maybe this is, and, and that's where the idea of creating my podcast, Boom Vision came up is because, man, if I can just speak to my early 30s self where I had that first vision yeah. when my son was born, can I share language and concepts and frameworks for them to, for my younger self to feel how to navigate feeling stuck? And how does, how is it that I can start leading with my heart? How do I even go about that? Okay. Well, let's explore. What would I talk about? Right. One of the exercises I think is like if to, to, to validate if you really can create a show around it is, is there 20 topics that you could talk about? Sure. Cause if there isn't, if there's only like 10, then you probably don't have a show. Right. Yeah. So, all right. So we started going. I was like, oh, there's, wow, there's a lot of things I've learned from things like Landmark and Tony Robbins, but with my own spin on it, because they don't, they talk about, you know, being in flow state and, and, and really transforming your mindset because your inner world really gets amplified through outer reality. Mm -hmm. Whatever we're experiencing right now in the outer world are just fruits of the seeds we planted in our inner world. Yeah. So, how do you focus and hone in on what exactly do you want to experience in this outer reality? You gotta go within first. And so I'm looking at the things I'm talking about. So rather than just focusing entirely on investing, it's like, wait, 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 let's go back to the basics first. What's the mindset? And and I realized, well, I remember just meditating on it and three words came up. And the three words were imagination, voice, and intuition. Why those three words? Well, imagination is what you see internally. Okay, I can get behind that. What's your voice, your inner voice? Are you your worst critic or are you your best cheerleader, right? When you're looking at this deal or you're looking for a new, you know, new, new career pivot or whatever it is, do you tell yourself, yeah, you got this. I got this, right? Is that the inner voice where you're your best cheerleader? Or are you saying, no, that's not you, Ben. Don't do that. Don't do that somersault. You're going to hurt yourself. Don't do that. What's the voice that's, that, that I have inside my mind? Because that's what I hear internally. Your intuition is what you feel internally. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I'm doing a deal my left brain, I've done underwriting, I've done all the due diligence. And it tells me the numbers say, yes, this is a good deal. But something, my gut feeling is saying, don't do it. Don't do it. But but it's not coming from fear. It's just like, it doesn't, something doesn't feel right. Yeah. And what do I do in those moments? Socket, back then, my chapter one, chapter two, I would try to think my way out of, okay, well, there must be a logical reason for this. Of I have to understand. Seeing is believing. Show me the numbers, show me the facts, then I'll believe it. Yeah, that was another paradigm I used to live in. I didn't understand believing scene. What the hell does that mean? Believing scene? No, it doesn't compute. I speak Italian. I don't speak German. I don't understand. Right? Yeah. It's just a different language. But these three words came, and it's like, wow, I think there's really something here. And so that's kind of the birth of my show. It's like, okay, well, how do I share concepts with it with the foundation of imagination, voice, intuition? Dude, so I'm gonna pause there. Yeah. No, yeah. this this is there's so much there, Ben. I'm also realizing. We're almost over. So I'm trying to I talk for another hour or do I say, you know what, let's 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 tie a bow for now. 
Then let's go a little bit deeper, a uh, little bit direction, little for a little bit, and then we'll, we'll basically end the show because sure. otherwise, you know, you and I have talked for hours and hours. Yeah, hell yeah. We'll talk for hours. Is how do you, so here's the challenge with intuition. Intuition when it gets combined Results results in right because yes. sometimes you can't tell whether it's your fear telling you not mm. to do a somersault or it's your fear right. But how do you distinguish between two voices? Beautiful question. Beautiful question. Okay, so I make a distinction on my show where your inner voice is typically the output of whatever programming you have on your subconscious, and usually for people that's driven by ego, not by intuition. Sure. Okay. Sure. So the distinction I have, okay, so I'm going to use a car analogy here, is that your business, your career is like your vehicle, your car, right? You are the driver of that vehicle, of your business, of your of your career. If you zoom out even further, if you zoom in even further, if you think about it, your body is your vehicle, your car, your mind is a driver, right? And throughout life, all you focus on is getting into a faster car. So you know, you want to level up, you want to make more money. It's like, I want to upgrade from a Camry to a Ferrari tomorrow or even today, right? It's just faster car and more horsepower. Yeah. All I care about is the speedometer and how fast I'm going. Well, the thing is, is that if you look at, you know, depending on what car you have, whether it's electric, whatever it is, it's like you have, you're focusing on the KPIs of how fast you're going, the fuel gauge or your battery life, whatever it is. You have all this dashboard that you're probably 80% of it you're not even using. And I call the, I think it was uh, Bridget Wang, who was Jonathan Liu's wife. She said it beautifully. I've been using the same vernacular that intuition is like a soul GPS, right? So if you ever have, you know, I'm not sure if you have an iPhone or Android, but it's like, yeah. it's like Siri and it's like telling you, like, you know, if you're going, you're, you're putting the coordinates and you're going somewhere, like if you're taking it, if you take the wrong turn, it's like, hey, turn right. It's like it. Right. Turn right. 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 Siri doesn't loudly tell you they're not angry at you it's always in a calm voice you know oh, of course correct turn right and that's the thing with intuition it's not emotionally charged it's usually very subtle and why do we meditate to calm our mind is because you have to be able to be in an environment where you can listen to those subtleties and the thing about intuition everyone has it everyone has soul gps it's it's baked into your vehicle it comes right. prepackaged to it it's just whether you want to open up that feature or not correct Right? right? And how does it open up to you? It doesn't open up the same way for everyone. Sometimes people will get a feeling in their body and sensation. Sometimes they will see a vision. Or sometimes they might hear a different tone of voice that isn't fear-driven. It's yeah. different for everyone. But you got to be in a calm state to be able to understand, well, what is the language it is? Oh, man, dude, we can go on and on, man. I'm going to I'm gonna put a bow. Okay. This is going to turn into like a five-hour production. I want to respect for your time and for the listeners as well. So, yeah. look, I think I think there's what I'm going to leave the listeners is really to the point of each one of us. If we feel an unrest, if we feel unfulfilled, if you feel like the path is not at all, use that as a gift. Use that feeling as a gift. Use that feeling as not what's wrong with me. Just stay with that feeling. And see where it goes, because most of us were going to happen. That why oh, I got to go out. Let's go. Let's go watch a movie, or let's go out to friends. And what happens is, the more you do that, the more you are telling your subconscious that that feeling that somehow arose in you is not important. And whenever it comes, let's figure out a way to kill it. I'm using extreme mm. to subside mm. it to say that that feeling is no longer because it's not going to give me happiness. 
why would I want to know I'm unhappy when I can find an easier path to be happy in the moment by picking up a band-aid solution? Mm. If it's happening with you, um, and I don't know if it's happening, it has happened with me. I'm sure Ben has shared his life story. Happened with him. Chances are it's happening a certain level with you as well. If it is, you need to you need to recognize it. You need to take a pause. And but pause doesn't mean you live in a monastery for two years or your job sit with an unrest feeling. That doesn't mean that. And all it means is sit with that feeling. If you don't know meditation, sit quietly in a place. Just just basically be with that thought process and see where it takes you. It may not take you anywhere. It may not take you anywhere. I'm not saying something miraculous is going to happen. The clouds are going to open up and God's going to do what's happening. needs to be. All that is good for Hollywood. What we're saying is that nothing drastic needs to happen. You just need to acknowledge that feeling and nurture that feeling. Good, Ben. I think can you're saying something. Yeah, can I add something to that, Saki? Because this is this is the this is the um, vision that's coming to me as I'm listening to you talk. Is that what's by the way, meditation comes in different forms. It doesn't mean you have to sit cross-legged and still for 30 minutes. Like if I do that and then at six minute, I'm going to fall asleep, right? I'm just being honest. So yeah. it, meditation is just simply quieting the mind. That's all it is. It could just be walking in nature. It could just be, it can't be sitting still. It could just be focusing on just your breath and that's it, right? But what's to, to further the example of why meditation is usually the first to help you gain that clarity, if you want change, you need to have the awareness first. What is it that I want to change? So you have to have that time to self-reflect, to have the awareness what parts of my life I enjoy and don't enjoy. And unless you know what the parts are, then you know which ones you need to reconfigure. And meditation, the way to think about it, it's like this. If you were to go and and stand right in front of like a, a lake, if the lake is turbulent, you're not able to see a reflection. If the water is turbulent, you're not able to see a reflection. But if the lake is still, and just pop your head over. Yeah. You're going to be able to see your reflection. Yeah. And our minds, think of it just as that lake of that body of water. It's like, wake up, what happens? Oh my God, I got to make sure my kids are in the end time. Okay, I have been fed, got to do this, take this course. Like there's so many thoughts. And before you start picking up your phone and start, you know, answering the text and inbounds, just meditation is just being still and visualize, is your lake still? And if it is, then, oh, okay, then you create an environment. And then just see what shows up. Correct. Man, this is great, man. Yeah, we're gonna we're going to end on that note. Uh, okay. <laughs> so let's shift into that towards the end of our show, right? So yes. Give me one perspective. There is a twenty-year-old listening to this show somewhere, right? We don't know who that person is. Yeah. Um, parallel realities. Parallel reality. What is that one insight you're going to share with that that's going to alter the migration path? What I would say to that twenty-year-old Ben is learn how to follow your intuition today. You're going to stumble, you're going to make mistakes, but the more you strengthen that inner muscle of your intuition, the more that will serve you for the rest of your life. Love that, Ben. Love that. And I know you lived that by now, at least. You made yeah. up that in your 20s. I'm still, still learning. I'm still learning. Yeah. And I think it's a journey anyways, right? Yes, it's a journey. that's right. It's not a destination, it's a journey. So love yeah. that. Ben, next question is a little bit more abstract, is in where do you feel in your interaction reflections, where do you feel humanity as a whole should migrate to in a few decades? Oh man, my hope, my hope where, where humanity is migrating towards in the next few decades is that as much as we talk about IQ and strengthening our intellect and knowledge is power and all of that, in the same conversation, in the same breath, we're also saying 
well, what's our association with the word energy and intuition? Mm. I really, really hope for humanity's sake that we go to this direction and we migrate towards this direction because as right now we're going through this AI movement and we're having sharper tools, right? There's a there's a Tyler Duren quote, right, in the movie Fight Club, which is like, the things we own end up owning you. Correct. Correct. And for it to avoid the things you own, not to own you, you have to be able to have your own guidance of knowing what serves you, what doesn't. And the way you can do that is just understanding energy and follow your intuition. That won't replace it, right? Is it, can, can I share a really quick side story? Yeah, please. When I used to work for my principal, because he's an amazing businessman and obviously very successful, he has a lot of sites, a lot of restaurants, and we would do a lot of site visits. And he knows his stores like his babies. I don't, right? So when you're telling me I'd go there, I would put in my GPS, right, in the car, and it'll take me there. I remember like halfway through, after going multiple sites visits, there's a time we were driving in LA where I'm about to enter an address. He's like, no, 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 put that down. Just go. Just drive that way. I was like, what? I don't know what I'm driving. Just, he's like, just go. If you rely on the GPS too much, you're not going to be able to build on that instant. Whatever tool you have. I mean, he didn't use this. He didn't use the word and language I'm using now, but he really yeah. did amplify, which is his intuition. He's honed it so much and it served him very, very well, right? But it's because he doesn't let the tools dictate what it is. It'll give you information, but ultimately you have to make the decision, right? Right. And so as much as this society and our culture might raise the importance of knowledge and IQ, at the same time, I wish, I hope, my hope that is our society and our humanity is also moving towards a direction of what does it mean to manage, to expand energy? What does it mean yeah. to follow your intuition? You'd love that, love that. On that beautiful note, Ben, beautiful thing that, that that brings a point home. Thank you for saying that. Ben, where can people learn more of your work? Where can people contact you? Where can they learn what you do and see if that could benefit them? Yeah. Thank you, Saket, for, for asking that. So a couple of ways. I uh, have my website, which is just my name, benjaminye.com, B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N-Y-E-H.com. I also have my Instagram handle, at Benjamin Ye. And for your listeners too, it's um, if you go to benjaminye.com backslash links, has all my links to my show notes, free downloads for your for your audience, my podcast, Boom Vision. If there's okay, I could share a quick side story why Boom Vision is the thing because everything's energy, right? Where's energy? Yeah. If that's what my show's about. I have to exemplify it. So while, how I came up with the name Boom Vision, two words. It's a weird set of names. It's because if it's about mind, body, and soul, what well, starts with their mind? So what are the three values? Well, it was the three words that came, right? Which was imagination, voice, intuition. So if you take those five words, imagination, voice, intuition, body, and soul. If you take the first two letters of those five words and you scrabble it, you actually get vision boom or you get boom vision. Nice. And I remember. And why I did that was because one of my favorite movies of all time is um, this movie Sneakers. Same director as Field of Dreams. So it gives you sort of an era back in like the late 80s, early 90s. And they had the Scrabble scene and that scene always stuck with me. And that's how I, in a playoff of that, I was scrabbling the two letters and it's like vision, boom, or boom vision. I remember my office here and I had this aha moment where, okay. And I said out loud, I was like, is it vision boom or is it boom vision? And right when I said that, a bird flew right into my window and boom. I remember that story, yeah. And I was, I got so startled. And so I looked up, I was like, all right, universe, it's boom vision. I won't even mess with it. I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> I don't know why. I only didn't know why. We'll just, we'll just go in this. Beautiful name, man. I love that name. I love that name. And thank you for sharing that story. Appreciate it. So I will, we'll make sure the information is included in the show notes. So 
I would highly encourage, uh, I know it was a long episode, for those of you, first of all, Ben, thank you for staying with me for almost an hour and a half. And I hope you've been talking even before that. So thank you for, for doing that. Appreciate it. And for the listeners who are listening to this part, I thank you for spending an hour in life listening to a conversation, a very raw conversation. Nothing of this conversation was scripted. Uh, so thank you for letting us share our perspectives. I also want to tell you is these are just our perspectives. You may take what you can this episode, apply in any way you can, or scrap it completely. The power is for you, power is with you. All we can do, we can be the vessels of the information, but you have to be able to consume. And if it's not worth if it's not worth your while to consume it, we appreciate the time you spent. Hopefully, there's something in this hour, hour and a half conversation that inspired you to do some something about your life. If you achieve that goal, that means this podcast episode was that's all I'm hoping for. And if not, I apologize. We'll make sure we bring Ben again and we'll make them hit that mark eventually. We will get there. So thank you again for tuning in. We will. Uh, we appreciate all your time and effort that you put into uh, listening to the show. If there's anything we can do, any we can bring that brings joy to your world and you feel like that can be a great guest for us, let us know. And also let me know how what you felt about this episode. Uh, we have a group that you can join. We have a YouTube video, a YouTube channel that you can subscribe. The modalities of reaching me are infinite. Uh, so mm-hmm. you pick one. You don't have to pick all of them. Whatever you want to yeah. pick the modality, I will respond. So thank you again for tuning in. Thank you again, Ben. Look forward to having you back, buddy. Man, I really appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much for having me, Sakit. Thank you. Ben. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below.